0: Happy Sabbath. And on this um, Mother's Day weekend, um, if you have been born of a woman, you should say something about that. You should reflect and um, send hello and, or remember some of those great um, stories growing up with your mother. So it's a good weekend to do that. It's also a great weekend um, as a university church, we have um, university students who every year launch out into um, the world. Right now, they're actually training for the next year. So, even in this season, they are training and um, preparing for a a whole year of service. So, we want to pray for them. And let's pray as we begin. Lord, as we pause to think about this moment where we open the Word of God. We just pray, pray for our students, our communities, our families, and as the, the story of Scripture comes alive, we pray that you would inspire us and fill us with a sense of mission, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're looking together um, as a church of the the Waymaker stories in the Bible, and um, where situations where life becomes so difficult or almost impossible for people, then God opens a way for us to go through. I was reminded about a moment where um, it was just outside of my office, I came to the church because I was picking up things on a Sunday, and there was a group of um, Christians who were actually renting our facility on Sunday. It was the, the Russian community, and um, they were there, and they were finishing, and there were um, young people outside, and I was by my office, and then I heard a scream. I looked, and there was one young person Girl outside standing in front of the window screaming. And I went out because I knew it was a crisis, it was something terrible, but that I found out that she was looking to the ground to see that there was a bird that had been hit the window and was evidently dead. So I had to do something. She was crying, and I said, Oh no, do you know what kind of bird this is? And that was not the right um, question. And I tried to do other things because just comforting people with animals is not my gift, right? But I I tried, and, and then she looked to me, and I remember her name. Her name was Tasha. And she went to Davis school across the street. I saw her because she was in a classroom that I was a mentor for. So I knew this young girl, and she looked up to me, and she said, we should pray. And I thought, usually when people, you know, ask me to pray, I say, yes. But in this moment, he said, we should pray. I said, oh, no. But surely, I was preparing a small funeral outside of the church. I was going to do this, but we were praying, and as I was praying, and I don't know what to say about a a bird that hits a window, um, this bird immediately shuddered. And flaps its wings and just flew away in the middle of my prayer. It, it was I didn't even have to that moment where I say, in the name of Jesus, it started to flew. And then she was looking up at me with amazement. And I'm thinking, oh no, not that. Like, Because I know exactly what happens. And I, I know what you can find the resource for this situation like this. I'm not... The Waymaker, you look on Google, I put those words, what happens when the bird hits a window? What does it say? Well, you have to do all these different things, but right in the middle, it says give time to recover and that will happen. Most of the time, the bird will just fly away. Anyway, I didn't want Tasha to look at me to see that I was some sort of special person At school or another place, I didn't want to see somebody who's going to break an arm and she can say, just bring him to Troy, and he can pray. I just didn't want that. So those moments in life, we really do need a way maker. And in our story today, the problem is not someone who's sick or lame or at the edge of death hoping for a miracle. No, but being called to be a disciple of Jesus. And you say, well, that's not a crisis. That happens all the time. We know God is trying to call us, right? This is important in the gospel. In fact, when you look through all four books around the life of Jesus, you see this concept of discipleship everywhere. And it's important for us to understand that there'll be times of crisis, but then there's also moments that are important. And sometimes the urgent things in life and the important things have to have a priority. And so in all of that, I think it's in the book of Stephen Covey who said, Real, effective people who are helpful in our society are the people who can actually distinguish between those who are urgent and those things that are important. And you look at the life of Christ, you see Jesus responding to crisis all the time. Compassion comes out of his nature in those moments. But then there are moments where Jesus slows down, stops, He focuses on things that are more important than the crisis. On one of the top of the lists, um, when I was looking at the the four gospels, and I was trying to categorize a a few themes on discipleship, I found about 70 passages that talk about discipleship, and I put them in, in like a type of Uh, like an outline or at least themes, and I'm looking at some of these great themes of discipleship with Jesus, um, shifting your values to eternal things over the temporary things, or faith and dependence on God. Right now, the student missionaries that are doing their training, one of the things that they say when they come back for their year of service is they talk about, we had to learn to depend upon God for everything. And so you see that and intentionally spread the gospel, the good news. Is that something that a disciple should do intentionally? Of course, humility and consideration of others. You see that throughout the gospels. Discernment, making good decisions, prayer, watchfulness. You see all of those attributes, these elements you can see In this one story, in Luke 5, we're going to look a few minutes at that story of the calling of Peter and all the fishermen at that moment. And as we do that, there is this pivotal and most salient part of the story is when Jesus is going to call Peter and others, like us, to to make a way into a deep place, the deep life, the abundant life, a a real life. It doesn't take a lot of time on this earth to just find out, to discover that financial success, it's not the deep life avoiding problems at all cost that's not the deep life when you when when people actually like you respect you appreciate your abilities and your skills is is that is that the deep life no at the end of the book of John the last gospel You'll see John saying this. In all of the things that I have written, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. All these stories. For that, that's there for that one purpose, to move you to a place where deep love and commitment to God. So as we do that today, um, let's pick up this story, Luke 5, verses 1 to 11. And if you like an outline, I'll give you three things that I want to focus on or section this section Together, the first part of the Waymaker um, story is about a setup. You'll always see a setup in all of the stories in the Bible when we're gonna find God breaking in and doing something for us. We'll also see, secondly, a response. In other words, after Jesus sets this thing up, you have to make a choice, a response. And then, there's a confirmation of what's just happened, that this has been an unmistakable moment where God has done something for us. And so, as we look at that in the deep life of the calling of the disciples, let's start up with this setup, okay? Uh, the verses 1 to 4. On one occasion, it says, um, while the crowd was pressing in, and him was to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, And he saw two boats by the lake. By, like the, but the fishermen had gone out and them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of those boats, which was Simon's, he asked, he asked him, put out into, from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And then when he had finished, he said to Simon, put out into deep water. Go out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, there are a few ob- obvious setup points in this story. First of all, the crowds are there. Pastor Andreas talked about the crowds and the love of the crowds. And there are the crowds again. the, The crowds are building in front on the side of the shore. And at the same time, you also have Peter washing out his nets. He's a fisherman. His job is to catch fish. And so he's out there with the boats. And you can see things, obviously. The crowds are seeing there is Peter, who is a fisherman. And he has a boat And then he has nets, but the only thing in the nets is the debris. There's no fish. (laughs) I I don't know. um, I'm in a family where they like to fish. I'm the only one who does not like to fish. My father and my brothers, whenever we go fishing, we are supposed to tell uh, what we're told to say, you know, just be very quiet. And I didn't understand that. We're always saying a few things when you're um, uh, in an area when people are fishing. You want to ask, hey, how's it going? Or what's going on? Are the fish biting today? Is there any luck? These are some of those questions. Are you catching any fish is the question. Who wants to hear that question? Because most of the time they probably don't catch fish. And then you have to answer that. You know in this situation, Peter is at the end of the day, and I don't know if it's a common situation where he doesn't catch fish, but he feels like a failure for that day. And maybe you have days like that, where every, everything that you try to do, you put things in order, you put in, um, in course, you put things in um, Step by step, but it just doesn't work. And at the end of the day, you say, I, "I just didn't do anything. I failed." I think in this setup, it's like some of the other stories in the Bible. Jesus allows this crowd to build, and the crisis for Peter is like everybody's watching. He's standing in the boat. And you'll see some of the greatest stories in the Bible have this setup where God is going to put this thing so high, this expectation, this situation. And the only way you'll ever find a solution is God. You'll see it. You see it in the garden with children. The children of Eden were introduced to sure death because of the fall. And there is a way out there in that moment. But it's in that moment that was... They're desperate to find a solution. Noah, at the time of the flood, the destruction um, was going to be unbearable, but this whole thing took 120 years to build, and at that moment, there is a way out. After 400 years of slavery, finally there is a way out of Egypt. Oh, on Mount Carmel, that might be the most important one for me in my head on the Mount Carmel. Elijah brings up, and there's this setup for people. There's this choice between God and Baal. In, in, order, in order to determine this, it's going to be fire. And in all of that, there's this, I, I used to say, this is not drama, but this is Drama. Like, we're setting this thing up, and Elijah puts water onto the altar, saturates it. Why? Because at the end of this day, the only solution should be the solution that God is going to bring into your life, because all of your solutions have failed. Or sometimes you're just at the end and you have no more. Oh, yes. And then finally, (laughs) I think it was at the right time. The book of Galatians says Jesus was born at the right time. It was almost like it was teed up at the perfect time And that's the moment where he comes in with flesh to be with us. That's that's got to be one of my favorite stories of the Waymaker. But in this story, we see all of this. You always see the examples in scripture of this setup. And then after the setup, there's the second part pivotal part, I think. It's the response. In the story, there is a choice that has to be made. Returning back to the story, Luke 5, Peter is faced with a problem. It says, what What, what am I going to say? Before he sees all of his work that's come to nothing, his fishing has not produced a profit. He has failed today. He has no good answers. And still, Peter declares the best answer you can give. Read it. He says, And Simon, after hearing this, he answered, He says, Master, we told all night and took nothing but at your word i will let now the nets now when i see that some of the Some people are intrigued by big words, um, complicated concepts, things that are nuanced, but the little words in life have real power. I look at some of the little words like ands and ifs and buts, and you see life changing around those words, those little ones. The word but in this story is so pivotal I have done nothing, I cannot do anything, but at your word, I will let down your nets. It's like this one little word will move you, describes this reality that you want on one side that can actually be a possibility on the other side. Peter's words, almost perfect. He admits, I can't do it. I need a way maker. What about you today? Do you need someone who can step in? But, but to say to go about, against your better judgment, sometimes your, your sensibilities will tell you no. Maybe it's your experience or your history or the facts or science or whatever it is. Sometimes what calls us to go places that seem to be irrational, to go into deep water, <laughs> the deep waters. What does that really mean, to go into the deep waters, the unknown awaits you. New resources are there. Something that you didn't understand today is there in the deep water. You can find that. One question, too. When Jesus asks him to go into the deep water, where is Jesus? He's in the boat with you, going into those deep places. For some, the deep water is not an answer or solutions or action plans to make the world a better place. When I don't know what to do, what do I do? I try to do more. If I don't know what to do, I'll find something to be active I'll start moving things around. My wife will come home, and I'll be moving things outside of the house and inside of the house, moving the furniture. If I don't know what to do, I do something. That's not a good value. (laughs) The calling for me is is to, to be still, to stop it, quiet my heart, and it might be the hardest thing I'll ever do to try to find a solution, an answer to fix a problem, I'm trying to be a fixer. You just learn that you can't fix everything. I have in my backyard, I had some Lumber, the leftover lumber, it's, um, it's beautiful wood, but I didn't have enough to do anything significant, but I knew I had to have a place to stop. What we do when kids are in trouble, <laughs> you put in the corner, time out. This is, this is my place where I have to stop. There, in those moments, that's where the deep water is for me. But for others, it's different. They launch. So in this story, Peter does the right thing. And and when I see this story where Peter responds well, he doesn't always do that. I'm reminded about that moment in my life when I think it was... The beginning of going into college, actually I had been a whole year of college at a university. I took a year after being a student missionary, but then I was there on the edge of making a decision. What am I gonna do? I feel like I'm called to be a pastor. I don't know what that means. I don't have the resources to do that. And so I'll just tell you my Waymaker story. I had a few hundred dollars to get myself into college. I had a scholarship to get in, but I didn't have a job and I didn't have the second step or the third step to pay for all of that, but I did go. I drove across the country and I looked for a job, and the one thing that my parents did, and it was a time of crisis for my family. My father had an accident, and, and he, um, for almost two years, he couldn't work because of this accident. So we were in a difficult time, but my parents, they were faithful to God. They taught me to press, trust God, and then also he t- taught, like, t- just taught me to, to work hard, And so I did. I went there. I tried to find a job, but it's the first time in my life I couldn't find a job. And I'm sitting there in the dorm room, packing up my stuff after two weeks. And then my roommate came in and said, what are you doing? And I said, I got to go. I said, "I, I can't afford this. I can't do this. And he says, he was so cynical and he was so cavalier And it was the right thing I need to hear because it was like a gauntlet to me. It was almost like a setup. He says, oh really, so God can't help you with your problem. And he's not really even a believer. He just likes to say things like that. But in my mind, I listened to that and I said, all right. Half of my heart was saying, God, do something for me. And then the other side, is, says, okay, I'm giving you a chance to show up, and now I can write you off if it doesn't. At least you had a chance. There was a cynical side to me in that moment, but I did it. I went, I opened up the paper. This is this thing. You get a piece of paper now. You open it up, and you can look for jobs. We do it other ways now, but I opened up, and it was right there in the center of the, um, this page. It says, um, looking for somebody who can take care of horses. So I did. I went. I got an interview because I worked at a summer camp, so I know how to take care of horses. Horses. So I was doing that, I went there, I was driving up to this place and there, the top of this hill was a mansion. I felt like that moment of faith put me to a place where I said, God, you are good. I got to the top of this road and then I didn't have a place to park except there was a red Porsche and a green Mercedes and I, put it right in the middle of those two cars in such a way that they wouldn't scratch my 1980 Toyota pickup. I went in for the interview and I'm thinking, wow, God, you are so good. And then the owner of the house came into the room and said, "Um, your name is Troy. I said, yeah, that's me. I'm excited. I want to, to interview for a job. And he says, well, I'm so sorry, but, I just hired a young man named Alan, and he's gonna work, he's got all the skills that I need. I'm so sorry, I thought, this is cruel. Like, this is wrong, you don't do this. I don't ask very easily, but I did. I had to choke down some pride A few things, and then I had to stop and say, Sir, I just need a job. Do you have anything? (laughs) It was almost like at that moment, I felt like I stepped over the cliff. When I did that, I knew that at the end of this, I'm gonna just crash and burn at the bottom (laughs) or I'm gonna have an opportunity. This man basically said to me, he says, well, I just need someone. I do need somebody to live here. (laughs) I'm looking at this this mansion, what what do you mean? He says, yeah, I actually need somebody who who needs to learn to cook, to clean. And he says, are you uh, an athlete? And I said, yeah, I'm an athlete. He says, well, um, I need somebody who's going to train me because I need to lose weight and I need somebody who can run with me and train. Can you do all of those things? I said, yeah, I think I can do that. (laughs) I lived there for a year, for over a year and a half, two years, and all my needs were met. I will never forget moments like that. Those waymaker moments. You can see it in scripture. You can just listen to the stories of other people. We'll hear them and they testify. It's there. There's always a setup. <laughs> There's always a choice that you have to step over and respond. And then... You will find confirmation in this story. There's a short confirmation. When they had done this in verse uh, 6, they caught so much fish that their nets began to break. It's not just fish. It's like overwhelming. I don't want to have any question where the solution came from. So they signaled their partners to the other boat to help they filled up the boats, and they start to sink. <laughs> and when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down on his knees. And this is some of those moments of discipleship. He says, no, I'm not here. I'm not ready for this. I, I'm not the right person. Look at me. And he says to all of his com- companions, and he's just in so astonished at the catch of the fish that had taken. And so there were James and John, sons of Zebedee. And Jesus said to Simon, he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And they will pull their boats up. And then here it is, left everything and followed him. You can see Peter finding this confirmation to his call. In the deep waters, Peter finds more than fish. He finds a purpose, meaning, and he finds a teacher who calls him by name, who's going to call him. Oh, what do you think? what do you think if you were to start the day with a setup? Look at all the things that you can't do and just look at it honestly. And then what would happen if you were to just respond to Jesus on an everyday like a Monday and say, I will go, I will follow. I'm gonna go into a place where there's deep water. Not gonna be superficial. I'm gonna make some risks. I'm gonna launch out into the deep water today. And at the end of that, you won't be disappointed. This is the Waymaker story that calls us today in our story. I see it, some of you, in my mind, I look at some of you who are retired, and you say, I've made this decision so many times. I'm saying, make that decision today. Hear the words of the master calling you to go into the deep water, whatever that is. It's going to move you into deep waters. I even know one of my pastors on our staff, Pastor Alice, lost her brother in the depths of her grief right now. I know she's crying. And on the other side, I know her. She will answer and say, no, I will go into the deep waters with her Jesus. I know she'll do that. Others who love brother Keith Canwell, surrounded by loved ones, there's this setup. We know it, the call comes from Jesus. Will you go into the deep waters and continue to praise as you have. Yes, I've been here before. You might say, I've been here before, but I'll still go into the deep waters again. Those of you who are negotiating unmanageable tasks, doing overwhelming works of service to others. Do you hear the call? It's going to come again today. There's the setup. Hear it. Will you go into the deep waters with your Savior today? The right and the left arm of this church is about education and health. And you see people who are trying to figure out in this pandemic moment to do their job And you'll hear the call, teachers, health workers, hear the call, go into the deep waters, and you will find a resolution. You will find a great catch. Students, I know you are overwhelmed. (laughs) In this season, you will mark these moments as a pivotal moment in your life. If you hear the call from Jesus, to you today, go into the deep waters with him. It's always just a prayer away. Be that disciple, that followers. Even young people right now, you've been waiting for this right now. You are hearing the call to go into the deep waters with Jesus, you answer that and say, yes, I will. Again, thank you for joining us this week. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and we're so glad you worshiped with us this Sabbath. Please let us know where you are joining us from. You can send us a message on our social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on our church website. And we pray that you have a wonderful week and God's richest blessings go with you.